Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is longtime listener, poet laureate, and Taya master, Anne-Marie Young. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Our friend Louis is on holiday, as they say in the UK. As we say it's on vacation, but it's really the same thing. And he's going to be gone for a couple of weeks. But uh, that's okay. We'll, we'll be glad when he gets back. But in the meantime, Emery, you and I were chatting before we got started. And I was telling you that I'm much better now. And that's because I, you know how it is. I love doing the podcast. I feel so much better when I do yeah. it. So I've been, I don't Brand know about you. you. I've been looking that. forward to today. Right. No, no doubt about it. It's a big brighten up. And it's also, it, it's something to look forward to. Right. It's something that you know, kind of gets you excited. I know. I was literally just doing an online shop before and it was just like, I couldn't wait to stop and doing that and then come and <laughs> talk to you lovely guys. There you go. I love that. And we do have a special guest joining us today. Her name is Erin Bogdan. I, I love the way she styles herself. She's an authenticity coach. What a great way to describe yourself and a confidence coach. And, a, and here's a great one, a soul purpose activator. I mean, we got to find out where she gets these names from. These are really cool. But Erin, thank you for it's joining amazing. us on the program today. Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I love that I get two of you. This is so exciting <laughs> to be able to have this type of dialogue. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. We are so glad to have you here. And I'll tell you honestly, Erin, one of the things that I have kind of discovered over the years is that when you have three people on a show, something is better about the energy than two or four or five or one or anything else. So you got the best combination today. I'm excited. <laughs> it sounds magical. It is. Well, this is a magical place. Well, you saw the subtitle, Your Daily Dose of Happy. That's what we aim for every single day. And uh, every time we hit that, we figure that's magic. So absolutely, you're in a magical place. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and where on earth did you come up with these great titles for yourself? <laughs> you know, it took me, it, truth be told, it took me time because I'm like, what do I call myself? I have to say, I don't love the word coach because coach to me is like an accountability partner, right? And it's like, I um, do so much more than that, that I, you know, I finally <laughs> settled on, ah, yes. When I think about my journey, when I think about my client's journeys, what do I do? I help them awaken to their most confident, most authentic self. So why not call it an authenticity <laughs> coach and confidence coach? And most, you know, as a um, byproduct of that, people really activate their purpose. I'm like, and a soul purpose activator, right? Um, and I had the, the privilege of listening to a couple of your episodes. And I love that you shared what, that so many people that come on here, they talk about their heartache, their pain is really this biggest blessing of them, their life, which put them on this path towards what they do. And I am no different. So I don't know if that's just a shocker or not. Um, but I'll give you a little bit of the short version of the story. If we want to dive in more, we can. Um, but basically, I didn't have the awareness back then. I have the awareness now. I grew up like probably many of us in a codependent, dysfunctional household. Let's just get it all out there and just say, okay. say what it is. Um, and so what put me on this path was my sister's addiction. My sister struggled with drug and alcohol addiction for gosh, probably since the age of maybe 13, she's two years younger than me. So it was about a good 10 years of my life where I was just living in complete utter chaos and hell, as I would describe it on earth. Um, her and I, by the way, she's sober now and we have the most amazing and beautiful relationship. Um, but you know, what really put me on the path was first going into the rooms of Al-Anon. When she got the help that she needed in 2012, I found the rooms of Al-Anon and I went there kicking and screaming. Al-Anon is for those that, of your listeners that don't know, it's for family members of, of and friends of alcoholics. And I was like, why do I need to go here? I don't have the problem. She does, right? <laughs> <laughs> And what I didn't realize was that I had been living my entire life. I found those rooms when I was 22, um, that I'd been living my entire life for everyone else, that I was being, being the chameleon that was flexing and adapting for who everyone else needed 
me to be. I shut off from my wants, my needs. I didn't know who Aaron was, what Aaron wanted or what Aaron liked. And I remember my mind was just blown when I saw all these people living in chaos that just had so much joy in their life, had so much passion in their life. I'm thinking like, what are these people smoking in here? <laughs> like, I, like chaos. I, don't, I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. So anyway, to make a long story short, I was in Al-Anon for a good five, 2012 to 2017, five years of learning to reconnect back to myself, learning to discover who I was. And then as, you know, my life unfolded, if you will, I was a corporate recruiter and I was traveling from New Jersey to Maryland once a week. And to make the most of the time, I started listening to what else? The podcast. <laughs> and I love this podcast called Earn Your Happy by Lori Harder. I don't even think she does the same show that way anymore, but she used to have guests on just like you both are doing. And the individual story just touched my heart, like lit a fire in me around f discovering your purpose and discovering your passion and you know, um, awakening to the truth of who you are. And I was an HR and always a people person and always, um, you know, excited about how to better myself, how to be the best version of me. And to make a long story short, he talked about his, um, 12 day immersive Bali experience. And I thought, well, that sounds amazing and scary at the same time. And something in my heart just told me, if you don't do this, you are going to have regrets. And that took a ton of courage to fly around the world, do go there again. You know, I'll give you the short condensed piece here. <laughs> and basically, if I had known what I was getting into, I joked ahead of time, I wouldn't have gone because it was really intensive group therapy, like on steroids. Um, and, but during, through that process, we peeled back the layers of who I had been showing up as in order to get love, validation and approval. And I came into claiming my worth, unleashing my power and stepping into my most confident, authentic self. Um, and then the rest is kind of history. In 2019, I left my corporate job. I, that again was kind of synchronistic things through the universe and God. And I, um, then did my coaching certification from 2019 to 2020. I launched my business right before the pandemic in February. Perfect timing, mm, right? Yeah. Um, and here we are today where I just, and that was the conversation. I was just telling you, I, got off a conversation I was running from was just, it's amazing how people that I connect to, like what lights me up is the person I just spoke to a moment ago is living the life I was living, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. And to be able to basically be here sharing my voice is my mission to help inspire people that they don't have to live that way anymore, that they can discover who they truly are. So that's the short version, which is still semi-long. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty good. I mean, you condensed that very, very nicely, especially how many years? Ago? It was like a 10-year period or something? Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, I also was a speaker in corporate, so that helps a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. So you, you get extra brownie points for that. That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, actually, one thing, well, a number of things jumped out to me, and I'm sure to Anne-Marie as well. One thing that really jumped out to me was the people-pleaser side, because uh, that no, that's one of the things that people work on a lot in 12-step groups, and clearly you were doing that in Al-Anon. Um, one of the uh, conversations I remember from a few years back um, with one of my co-hosts was about people-pleasing and about people who are people-pleasers. And one of the things that we really hit upon in that episode was the fact that somebody who is a people-pleaser usually has a hard time accepting things from other people including gifts, including things mm -hmm. that benefit them. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the classic example being uh, you're out to lunch with somebody else and uh, the other person says, I've got the check. And you say, oh, no, no, I've got it. Because you can't allow the other person to buy a lunch for you. And I'm wondering, th does that kind of summarize what your people-pleasing experience was about? Yeah, that's a facet of it is that you can't allow, you can't, that was a good way of putting it. You can't receive help. It's uncomfortable to receive help. And what we don't, what a lot of people don't know is the reason, one of the reasons, sure there's others, but one reason is because we don't trust anyone to meet our needs. We can't trust that anyone's going to give us what we need, that we're going to be disappointed and we're going to end up upset. And so we just need to do it for ourselves and become independent and not, you know, block, block receiving. Um, 
I would say a, a big thing around people pleasing too is feeling guilty for, you know, I, I grew up in an Italian family, so there was no shy of Italian guilt. I always <laughs> felt Italian guilt <laughs> from every which way. So like, you know, even making the decision to go to Bali, I had to stay true to what felt right to me and not have the fear of what are other people going to think? You know, are they going to love me still? Well, I'd be abandoned. Will I not fit in? Well, I won't, will I not belong? Um, I think that's the crux of people pleasing is that fear of abandonment and the desire to make people happy as a result for fear of like, I, I won't have my needs met. You know, if your need, that's the crux too, is if the other person's needs are met, I feel safe because then my needs are going to be met. And that I think comes a lot from the addiction side of things too. And here's an interesting question to go along with that, because the assumption is that if the other person's needs are met, your needs are going to be met. But is it true? Do you, what did you actually find that your needs were met when the other person's needs were met? Um, yeah, I would say so. Right. Like that's, that's such so, so interesting is that, and I like that you're saying that is, was that a truth? And that's the problem with, um, you know, or the challenge with the person that we are living, we've subscribed to truths that aren't really true, right? Like we've opened up to this truth is one possibility, like one possibility being here in this example, if my, if I meet your needs, my needs will be met. Well, sure, that's one truth. But the other truth is if you take care of you, your needs can still be met. But it's like we only learned, I only learned that my needs would be met if your needs were met. Um, you know, and the example that's coming to mind is that I learned that I needed to be a, um, you know, I took on the role of like the good child, the perfect one, the high achiever, always getting straight A's and um, doing everything that I thought that I needed to do to receive love, that validation and approval. So it's like, I thought that, okay, if I give you what you want me to give you, which is to perform well in school, then I will receive love and therefore my needs will be met and therefore I'll be safe and I'll be okay. It's interesting because I, I think if, if I've talked to a lot of people about this and I have, um, particularly people who have gone through um, being in that people-pleasing position, I find I get different answers to that question I just la- asked. And I, that's why I was curious to know what your answer was going to be. Some people say, well, actually, no, I didn't have my needs met, but I kept telling myself that they were met. I kind of talked myself into it. Or other people will say, um, well, I thought my needs were met, but but I didn't realize that there were other needs that I wasn't even recognizing. Yes. But you were saying, yeah, actually, my needs were met because I felt safe. So, I mean, it just goes to show different perspectives, everybody going through a similar experience, but having a different way of experiencing it. Yeah. And I just want to add one more thing to that, that you share, because it's really, it's a good point, is that I thought that my needs were met, which they were, but it was on a surface level, meaning that mm. the love that I was experiencing wasn't really the depth of the love that would be available to me if I just did what was true to me, which is like the love that I experienced now from myself living from a place of doing what feels good to me and lights me up is greater than any love that I can get from outside of me. It's kind of like that, you know, we need to love ourselves first in order to receive love outside of ourselves. So it's like back then I thought my needs were met and I would still say that they were being met, but it wasn't to the degree of which they could be met. So we have different levels of metness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we can all identify with that. The fact is no matter whether we are people pleasers or not, we all have different levels of metness, how much of our needs been met. And the, the, the thing that you were last pointing out, how when you are able to meet your own needs from within, it's, it's a much greater experience. It's a much stronger, more powerful experience. I think more and more people are beginning to, or even more than beginning, maybe for quite some time have been experiencing that and recognizing the truth of it, which I think is pretty cool because it shows to me that that's an indication of society at large getting healthier, maybe is a way to say it, getting into a better space, into a space where they feel kind of more comfortable in their own skins. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's what's going on there. So, okay, well, cool. This is, so this gives us a little bit of a background for where you come from. So, well, first of all, I got to tell you, going to Bali, yeah, I can see going around the world. That's a, a bit of a thing. But if you're going to pick a place, you might as well pick Bali. I mean, <laughs> how bad is that? Oh, this is so rough. We're, we're in paradise, you know? I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much time you actually got to enjoy the paradise because you were. That was part of, that was part there. of my frustration. I go, I traveled all this way. <laughs> Literally one day I was like, I've seen these four white walls. Like, what are we getting? <laughs> <laughs> you could have been anywhere. <laughs> Which we did in Bali, but, you know, we saw a lot on the white walls. I would say it was like a 50-50 slip flop, probably. <laughs> okay. Well, at least you got some time then to explore that beautiful environment. So that's a good thing. And now you have become a coach who doesn't call herself a coach because she didn't like the term. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. In in the process of of doing that, I, I, I was trying to think how I wanted to ask this question. It comes down to what is it that you love now? Because that's what you were trying to discover. And I gather, I kind of infer that you love helping other people. But is that the sum total is, or is there more to it? Yeah, I love, like, yes, exactly that. I love being able to witness people come in from a place where they feel so broken and come out on the other side of reconnected back to who they are. I just love sharing my gifts and witnessing their growth and their healing and their transformation to be this like standing in and owning this power and light that they are in the world, knowing that they are like a step closer to their best version of them. Um, and I think another passion I'm finding quite honestly, it, I mean, speaking, we always had a, I don't know what I'd call it. Love, hate relationship. Maybe like, um, I speaking grew on me. Like I shared that I was a corporate speaker, but I used to hate public speaking. I used to be so terrified mm. of it. And as wow. I'm doing more podcast interviews, and I also just recently launched my YouTube channel, which I've been like, this, that was like a two year in the thing process because what I realized is when I got on camera to talk about myself and my journey, it was like that old fear of rejection and abandonment mm. coming up that I had to work through from a business level. But, you know, when I am doing it, like after this call and even now, like I will get off and I'll just be on this high of like, I feel so great just because I love speaking. So I think I not only love helping and inspiring people to live their best life. But I also love sharing these truths and these messages and using my voice as a tool to bring light and inspiration to people too. What a beautiful thing. I love that. Amory, as usually you've been sitting quietly, but I imagine you have something going on. What, what are you thinking about where Aaron's little story is concerned? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. But I'm wondering, how do you find a person's purpose? How do you, you do you, I mean, I say I'm nearly 45 years. It's taken me to figure out what I want to do and still working on towards that. How do you work with somebody you've never met before? And then you find out what their purpose is if they're not sure themselves. Yeah, it's a kind of a byproduct. But what I want to share first too, is we are in this, um, this world, right? That the message that a lot of us receive is we're broken and we need to be fixed. We need a diet. We need this. We need that. It's like consumerism, right? And it's like we also have to surrender to the idea that we are exactly where we need to be. And sometimes there is no figuring out of what our purpose needs to be. The purpose has always been there. It's just about surrendering enough to allow it to arise for us to um, tune into what are our gifts? What's our talents? What are we meant to be doing in this world? How are we meant to be serving? And a lot of times everyone has the same, my perspective is everyone has the same purpose, which is to be love and to be light and to spread that in this world. And our expression of our purpose just, uh, evolves differently. And so you, the, the, the biggest piece is you can't, um, decide, like you can't know truly what that is if you aren't really tapped into who you are. If you're showing up in a way where you're playing these limited roles of being the caretaker or the people pleaser or the rebel or the comedian or whatever role that you've identified with in your life and you're just showing up in a way 
through the desire to have your needs met, that's not your authentic truth. And so the only way to discover your purpose is to get in touch with who you really are underneath these stories, underneath these coping mechanisms, and using that as a baseline to then, quite simply, you know, our purpose doesn't need to be this huge thing that we're chasing. It's just understanding and uncovering and starting, okay, well, what lights me up inside? What do I love? What type of people do I resonate with? You know, like it's been, uh, you know, after Bali and after doing the coaching program that I did, um, my purpose was always there and probably pretty simply of, like I said, just inspiring people to be their best self. But it's evolved around getting really clear as you take the steps. You have to take one step, then the next step's revealed, then the next step, then the next step. It's not like this one thing that you figure out that just drops from the heaven and, and, and the skies into your lab. It's like <laughs> it's it's a result of uncovering who you are, what do you like, what lights you up authentically, and taking the action after action after action, and then receiving the guidance that you're receiving to help course correct and align you to move towards that direction. Perfectly really good. Yeah. Do you have anything else, Anne-Marie? How did you get started? So you did your course. What was it that made you just want to go out and just share that gift? Yeah, um, it's really quite interesting because I was so disconnected from also a people pleaser, I would say, what comes to mind is, as you know, you say that I was disconnected from what I wanted in the sense of I was always taking outside guidance. Oh, well, you should do this or you ought to be doing this or why don't you consider this or, you know, like I still joke with my dad because his vision for me was always to be a vet and we're like laughing because he'll still say, you know, you could have been a vet. And I'm like, this man's never going to get it. But <laughs> anyway, um, it's like if I was so attached to what that person thought that should be, that would block in, block me from seeing what truly, um, what truly is not. I lost my train of thought around what your question was. It's how you oh, kind how of started. started to share that gift. Yeah. Yeah. So why I was saying that was basically I was so disconnected from my intuition. I didn't realize it because I was so used to listening to everyone else. And so the Bali example is really a perfect one around. I, for the first time in my heart felt like you need to, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, it was just this depth of inner knowing of if I didn't do this, I was going to have huge regrets and I can't tell you, basically everyone around me didn't want me to do it. My mom said, you're going to get sex trafficked. You're never going to come home. You know, my husband has been so supportive. We were high school sweethearts, but he, you know, he thought I was probably a little crazy. Like, you don't even know what you're getting into and you just want to travel halfway around the world and do this thing. Like what? But it was just being able to listen to that inner knowing. And so at the end of the 12 days, Coot, the facilitator, his name's Coot Blackson, um, B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N. I highly recommend his work. He has a couple amazing books. But anyway, he was talking about for those of you that have felt a call to now that you've experienced this journey and this process to actually bring these tools um, and its transformation to people in the world, you desire to do that. He has a coach. He had a year-long coach apprenticeship program. And so I asked in the moment for a sign when he was sharing and I felt it in my heart and I asked for a sign and it was like a, this bird that seemed to be present throughout the 12 days. Every time I had a massive breakthrough, the bird like immediately made the noise and I was like, yep, I'm doing it. I'm meant to do it. And it was just trusting the gut and the intuition. And that's really how I got started was through listening, listening to um, my inner guidance system that was trying, that already knows, you know, what next step and what next action we need to take. But so often we shut it down because we're so focused on what other people think we should be doing. And so the quickest answer, quickest way is to get back in touch with that truth and listen and then take the steps. And just a side note to that is, um, you know, so I, I committed to do the program in 2019. I actually, 
2018, I committed to it because at Bali was 2017, committed I was going to be starting January 2018. My husband and I got pregnant really quickly when I got back and which we were excited for. And so because of Savannah's birth, we postponed it. Uh, I postponed the program a year, which again was perfect timing because I'm old tendency also as a control freak. I'm still, you know, working on control, but I'm not to the extent that I was. And the old me would have been trying to force, push. Well, I wanted it to do in this timeline and I want it to happen now. And, you know, I was so determined. I mean, there was a level of me trying to do that because I went to LA seven months pregnant, which I don't even know how I did that then. And I was contemplating having Savannah May 1st, which was her due date, and then traveling to LA, get LA again the end of May. And boy, thank goodness, someone was like, Aaron, I think you need to surrender here to this timing. Uh, so thanks, thanks to those souls. But anyway, I did it in 2019 and it was amazing because what happened when I went back to work in 2019 in October for my maternity leave, they were eliminating my role and they wanted to take four roles, very corporate like, and merge it into one and wanted to give it to me. And I just politely said, I don't want to do this. This isn't, I don't want to do this. And uh, it was the sign of like things transpired where I talked to HR about my options. And one option was a severance package. And I, you know, I'd only been there 10 years. It's still a chunk of time, but most companies I would say wouldn't offer a severance for that time frame. And it was the universe supporting me saying like, you're going to do this. Yeah. You, you know, it was again, trusting I'm leaving this safe comfort and I'm trusting that I'm saying yes. And this is what I'm being called to do next. So it all comes down to trusting and listening and taking the step that's in front of you to take. I love Here that. I, I always thinking... think you... Oh, oh no, go ahead. Nope. Go, no, I was going to say, I think, I think the gut is just an amazing thing for telling you yes or no. And every time I've not listened to it, it's been a mistake. <laughs> it really is. I, I have to admit, I, I was a little surprised because I thought that the sign of four was a Sherlock Holmes story by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, but it actually turns out to be the story of Erin Bogdan leaving her corporate position. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. I appreciate that. Um, and I, I think I, I don't remember if I mentioned this before or not, but, um, uh, when you were talking about how your father wanted you to be a vet, my father wanted me to be a minister, which in my mind was the craziest thing you could possibly think of to do because that was so anti-religion, but he kept insisting you'd make a great minister. But dad, I don't want to be a minister. I don't like anything about, I don't even like Christianity. Come on, give me a break. No, you'd make a great minister. <laughs> That's funny because I said, I cannot stand the sight of blood. I would not be able to be a vet. I said that to my mom, like, Dad, I don't, I can't stand blood. How can I be a vet? Like, I can't, I can't do anything with blood. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I think what it goes to prove is that even the people who know us really, really well, they can't pick what's, what's best for us. It's not possible. And, and look how far our, our fathers respectively missed. I mean, they missed by a country mile. Doesn't mean that <laughs> they didn't care about us. Doesn't mean they didn't love us. It just means no one else can know you like you can know yourself. And I think that's really a valuable thing to understand. Yes. That's really well said. Yes. As you, uh, take the next steps now with your career path that you've, uh, celebrated taking uh, your, your steps on, making your progress on, where do you see it going now? Like you, you, you mentioned that the pandemic was perfect timing, which it was. People were stuck at home. They were dealing with stuff that they hadn't dealt with before. They had huge amounts of fear regarding the, the disease itself. Um, and they were just dealing with all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, coaches in general did very well. It was a perfect time to launch a coaching business. But now we're kind of past that. Not entirely, but we're, we're largely past that section of our history. And so I'm wondering where, where do you see it going next? Do you see yourself uh, taking more advantage to be the public speaker? Do you see your coaching practice expansing, it's, expanding? <laughs> um, what, what do you see? It's so funny. You're asking me this. I haven't shared this publicly, but I've been feeling this inside of me. So I'm going to share it is to actually, and is to start speaking. And okay. um, it's just funny. What I'll say is that, if you take this standpoint that the, and I, this isn't mine. I heard someone say this recently. I don't remember who, but it was their perspective was if you operate under the assumption that the universe is a benevolent universe, it's always acting in your highest good. So even through the darkness of my sister's addiction, it birthed this beautiful me here. And 
the universe is always guiding us. It's always, you know, it wants, it wants us to, you know, God, divine universe, whoever you choose to call it. For me, it's God. It's like, he's always trying to put me on the path that is going to open up doors. And, um, literally the last, um, I don't know, maybe six months or so, I've always had this vision of speaking on stage. And I've always known that in my heart too, is something that I love doing, enjoy doing when I was a recruiter. I used to do that on college campuses and it lit me up inside. And anyway, oddly enough, there's just different speaking things that will come up and grab my attention. And then um, I'm actually making a decision about possibly going to California to uh, like, focus on my speaking career, like mm. not career, but you know what I mean? Like to do, start doing that more openly. Um, and you know, the steps that I w- was resistant to take with YouTube as an example, right? Like it can be very uncomfortable to speak on camera into a camera, into no one talking about you. Right. But I had to work through that resistance and now I naturally do it. I, I I can't say that, you know, I don't ever have a time where I don't, you know, start the video, turn it off, start it again. <laughs> but like I've gotten into a pretty good groove where I'll just do one take and that's it and what have you. But even that to me is preparation for, you know, you're always being prepared is what I'm saying. But what happens is a lot of times people's fear hijacks them from even taking the first step because they want to be, you know, at point from move from point A to point F, not realizing they need to take all these little steps along the way that are actually going to be their preparation for where they want to go. Um, so yeah, sorry. That's a, that's a bit, bit of a more, you got more than what you asked for there. <laughs> oh, that's good. I love of that course, thing. Yeah. I love that. Cause we all learn from our mistakes, don't we? They are the biggest learning curves and put us in the right direction is just by having these trial and errors. Absolutely. Well, are they trial and error or are they trial and find something new? Well, yeah. Do you make any mistakes? Yeah, I I would love to say on, because this is a big topic for people that I work with too, and myself included in the past, was this fear of failure. And what I've learned to reframe failure as feedback, you know, there really is no such thing as failure where you're constantly just getting feedback from, okay, if it's, not here. Where do you need to reposition? What do you need to shift? What do you need to change? You know, you're just getting that feedback that's realigning you to course correcting you to where you actually belong and need to go. You know, even I share one of the biggest failures back in, um, this is probably going back to my college career. I had interned at a job and as you can imagine, like a people pleaser person who's high achieving, um, I, there was maybe six of us and I was a rock star, like intern and it was going into my senior year and I wanted to secure a full-time position. It was with a, um, big company that's well known. And, um, long story short, I didn't get the job and I was like devastated. I'm mm-hmm. saying like, so devastated, like beside myself crying. And the reason that they gave, get this funny part was, my voice was very monotone in the interview, which now clearly as a speaker, it's not anymore. <laughs> um, and my piercings, I have three ear piercings or four ear. Like it was just stupid things that, and even like now as an interviewer, prior background, like that's anyway, long story short, I was devastated that I didn't get it. And thank God I didn't get it. Like, <laughs> thank God. Number one, do I want to work in a cult book, a culture like that? But number two, if I, had gotten that job, I would have been pigeonholed to finance, to corporate finance. And in my other career, I actually started in finance, but I was only in the finance area for two years until I transitioned into recruiting. And that then led me into um, diversity and inclusion. And it led me into training and development. And it led, it was all the preparation that I needed to be here. So sometimes we also need to surrender that we don't know everything and we don't have every, we don't need to have everything figured out that there is this higher source, higher power that's guiding our life. If we'll allow it to, and you know, if we can just surrender a bit and go with the flow of where we're being guided to go. And that was actually what I thought was a failure, but what was the best thing that ever happens? The second best thing that ever happened to me, <laughs> um, you know, looking back. I love that. That's terrific. It, it reminds me of something that Mike Dooley once said, Mike Dooley of um, one of the, one of the participants in the movie, the secret. He once 
talked about how when when you want to get from point A to point B, you know, you're driving somewhere or traveling somewhere and you get in your car and you go out in the street and you turn left instead of turning right. Did you really make a mistake? Well, not according to your GPS. All the GPS says is take a legal U-turn. The, the, the GPS doesn't chew you out for saying, oh, my God, I can't believe you took that turn. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you don't get that. It's just, just make a legal U-turn. It's no big deal. You know, don't worry about it. But, uh, yeah, I love the way you describe that because you're right. There are lots of different things that can happen with so-called mistakes that we can't predict in advance for sure. After the fact, we look back and say, whoa, how on earth did that happen? How how did that possibly come off? And yet that happens a lot. I found that in anyway in my life. Um, my wife was the one who pointed it out to me the first time. Uh, she pointed out that I think we were actually in traffic and we'd come to a, a stop because everything everything had come to a stop. You know, the, all the traffic had stopped moving. And it was a hot summer day. I remember that, and I also remember feeling a little frustrated. And she immediately chimed in with, I've had this happen before, and so often it's because the universe is trying me to get me to do something else instead. And uh, uh, like uh, I think it was like a week later, we were out in traffic again, and this time... If I remember correctly, I, I may be I may be re- reframing the way this story worked because of what we just talked about, but I'm pretty sure it happened this way. This time, we're out on the road, and we were supposed to take an exit, but we took the wrong exit. So there it is again, right? You, you did the wrong thing. But taking the wrong exit ended up bypassing that same kind of mass traffic because everything had stopped a half mile down the road. And we didn't know that until we were driving on the side road and saw all this traffic lined up. So it was a perfect example of how the universe basically got me to make a mistake in order to get into a better place. And from that point on, after those two examples that she pointed out to me, I started noticing more and more. Yeah, there's a lot of times when you just don't really see anything coming out of it, but it's amazing how often you do see something coming out of it. That's the part that blows my mind. Yeah. And I want to add one more thing to that is that, um, Coot had asked us this question. I I think it was him that, that said, you know, how many things if you were if the listeners even reflect now the best moments in their life the best moments in your life how many of those moments were planned mm-hmm. every best moment in my life none of it was planned <laughs> <laughs> i thought i was trying to plan it i thought i was trying to control it but nope <laughs> that's true that's very true because there's something about spontaneity that well it's spontaneous for one thing uh, and for another thing because it's spontaneous there is the unexpected uh, component to it. You know, we, I didn't expect that to happen. That feels different. It feels better. Right? Something unexpected. Oh, isn't that a nice surprise, right? That's, that's, that's the way it feels when, when you don't really expect it. And, and I think that's one of the things that contributes to it being such a cool experience, whatever that experience may be. Mm-hmm. I was telling Anne-Marie just before we got started here, I, I can't go into details live here, but Louise made a very uh, interesting contact for both of us with somebody that she met in a a local nursery and it wasn't something she was looking for. It was, it's something that just kind of spontaneously happened, but right now it's intrigued both of us to the point where it could lead to something really cool. And that was just over the weekend, you know? So yeah. And it's so exhausting trying to control things, isn't it? And if it doesn't go to plan, you're all stressed and everything. So sometimes these spontaneous things are just gifts, aren't they? They're just so freeing. They're just so much nicer. Yeah, it makes it yeah. so much easier. This yeah. woman that I was talking to before our um, call, I didn't plan any of that. She just somehow came into my life. And, you know, I think years ago, too, it's like um, as a people pleaser, what blocks receiving is it's like we need to feel like we did something to get it. We need to feel like we earned it. We, like, did grit. You know, like. But how amazing is it to just allow yourself the grace and ease to receive and to like, let it be easy. It doesn't need to be so hard. Um, it's magical, right? Talk about happiness and, and, you know, being magical. That's pure magic and pure happiness. <laughs> it's also a skill because what you just said, what you just said there, to, to be able to receive it, it reminded me of what we were talking about earlier. Somebody else picking up the check. Oh no, I'll pick up the check and not being able to receive stuff that way. And one of the really great values in learning how to receive is that that's how law of attraction 
deliver stuff. You know, we're trying to attract something into our lives, and yet so often we're turning off the willingness to receive stuff that comes serendipitously out of nowhere. And, you know, what what kind of signal does that send to the universe? Well, it sends a very definite signal. No, thank you. Don't send me anything. Right, right. Doesn't it? Yes. This is actually a pretty important concept that we're talking about here. This isn't just something, I mean, it is important from the point of view of trying to improve your mental health and have a better life and so forth. But in terms of being a manifester, it's essential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you really can't avoid it at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very, very, very good. So, um, as you, uh, Look at your, your, your future. You talked about doing, uh, the public speaking and how you want to do more of that. Do you see your, like you, right now you have what, what I would consider to be you, your view of your ideal career path. I mean, you, you, everything just came, came together. You're loving it and so forth. I know that different people have different responses and reactions to what happens when they get what they want. Some people find, I really like that, but now all of a sudden I want something else entirely. Other people kind of like me with the podcast. When I, when I first did podcasting, I didn't do it because I enjoyed it. Now I can't get enough of it because I just enjoy it. And it's just, it, I've been doing it for 10 years as a result. So different people are going to respond to good things happening in different ways. I'm curious, in your case, do you find that you're inspiring yourself to keep doing this or are you now all of a sudden, are you all of a sudden seeing new career paths like the speaking thing? But other I things love that question. Too. I love that question because how often are we always seeking the next thing? Mm. That was like personified of who, how I used to live. Like I couldn't just enjoy and be in the moment and like enjoy you know, all that I had worked towards to get, you know, to where I had gotten and just like savoring it. It's like, once I got it, all right, what's next? What's next? What's next? No, today I just am so aligned and surrendered into what is, you know, like I, even the speaking thing is a great example because sure. I've had the vision of being a speaker in the past, but I'm not out there seeking and actually how this thing came up for California, just like, again, popped up through a weird way, like I've been connected with this person since Bali through social media and never look at her stuff at all. And one day I just happened to have her story up because it was like right next to my story. And I was like, Hmm, let me click on it. And it was like, and, and then I felt called to go to her profile. And so like just through living in the moment and being where you are, being where your feet are and enjoying what's in front of you, if you can do that, you don't have to worry about the next thing. The next thing is going to take care of itself. I think that goes back to the control of us trying to figure things out and make sure that we're successful and make sure we get where we need to go. There's no rush. I was always in a rush. I was running, running, running from one thing to the next. And what I realized is that actually we are like nature. We are nature. We're not separate from nature. And if you look look at nature and you get out in nature, nature um, runs at two speeds. Slow and medium, (laughs) medium, (laughs) slow, slow, medium, right? Like you never really see a flower, you know, bloom. I mean, like instantaneously while you're watching it, it takes time. And so um, I think there's a real craft at being able to slow down, enjoy the process, enjoy the journey, trust you're going to go wherever you need to get. I heard someone say before to you can't, um, what was the word? You can't miss out on what's meant for you. You can't like miss your purpose. It's your purpose for a reason. You'll get there somehow, some way. Um, but the journey is what counts, not the final end destination. Um, and so I now also get in a really big practice of anytime I do anything that I'm proud of that took me time to do, I celebrate it. You know, my way of celebration, I, you got to do what feels good to you, but I love dancing. I'll put on a song I love. I'll dance here in my room, in my office, and I'll just celebrate the shit out of myself, right? Because that's great. you got to have fun. What fun is yeah. it to do something you work so hard for and then just be focused on what you're going to do next? Like, no, acknowledge how far you've come. Acknowledge your growth. Acknowledge what it took to get here and celebrate you. If We need to be doing more of that as a society for sure. Yeah, that's self-appreciation is what that is. 
Yeah. yeah, I promote that when when I'm doing the tire training. And but you know what? The more you celebrate, the more you celebrations you're going to get, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the gratitude. I'm sure, you know, you both talk about this too, is like, you know, when you're grateful for where you're at, for what you have, it's like, it's going to, what you focus on expands, you're going to create more of that feeling. So yeah, who doesn't want more celebrations? Who doesn't want more happiness in their life? And yet they don't do it. Or I don't, I'll speak for myself. There was a long time there where I did no celebrating at all, which was probably what the most miserable portion of my life now that I think about it because I kept focusing on all the stuff that was going wrong but you know, that that's kind of like the flip side of what you're talking about here that if you don't well if you're not focusing on what's good what's left <laughs> you've kind of limited the market at that point there's not a yeah. lot to choose from <laughs> we're wired I love that you said that we're wired to focus on at least I was to focus on the negative what's wrong right but like switch your focus to all the positive all the amazing things that you have to be grateful. Again, if you operate under the assumption that you are in a benevolent universe and that's working out in your highest order, then it's like, then there's a lot of positive in it to find and to celebrate. Um, and that's going to make your life much more enjoyable. And I, you know, I gotta, I think it's important to caveat all this too, because it's like, Sure, I have. I've had moments of um, not wanting to be where, I, even in my coaching business, of like not of wanting things faster, more, whatever. Like I've had those, you know, we're human. Like I've had those moments of I don't like where I, or even like my weight loss, or not weight loss, but my body image is a is a good, um, ex- a better example of this where um, I've had to come into learning and accepting, like, even though I might not be where I want to be, um, and now I feel like I've come into a place of acceptance of, like, this is, you know, if I want to be big and take up space in this world, my body is kind of showing to me that it's okay to take up space. Like, you don't need to fit into what society says, you know, your body needs to look into for women, like, sticks thin or whatever it may be but like you have to acknowledge just like as a map you know a map in a mall there's a star like you are here you have to accept where you are acknowledge where you are before you can get anywhere else before you can navigate to the next place how can you navigate where you want to go if you haven't even accepted you are here oh and by the way stick thin probably means you're an anorexic just saying right right yeah yeah so that's, I don't know who made that the ideal, but they, they need to work on their idea of an ideal. <laughs> <laughs> very good. I'm loving this. This is very, very good. Um, let's talk a little bit about the people that you encounter in your practice, uh, people who come to you for help. And in, in just kind of a broad brush, talk about some of the common kinds of problems you find that people are are trying to address these days? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like most people that I work with are disconnected from themselves in some way, meaning that they have everything that they thought that they wanted. They have, you know, they've done what they're supposed to do and they're waking up dreading their day, dreading their life, feeling like it's Groundhog Day over and over again. (laughs) They feel like they're living from a place of responsibility, from duty. There's no joy, no fun, no happiness in their life. And they're just doing what they think they need to do to get where they think they need to go. (laughs) So it's kind of bringing this conversation full circle. And what they're struggling with from that place is feeling of, am I good enough? negative self-talk, feeling anxious, overwhelmed, stressed out, feeling um, shut off and disconnected from the truth of really who they are, and dealing with, I would say, a lot of shame and guilt and frustration um, and not really being able to be present in the moment, living, like I said, where your feet are. It's like you're so stuck in your head, subscribing to this voice that you think is true, spewing this negative self-talk and this shame and dealing with all this self-doubt, am I good enough, lacking confidence, lacking self-trust, that they're seeking outside of themselves for someone to tell them what's the next right step when really 
what needs to happen is they need to come into building the connection with themselves. Um, but I feel like a lot of people that I work with, they thought they are where they want it to be and they wake up realizing they're deeply dissatisfied, deeply unfulfilled, and they just feel like they want more and they're not quite sure what that more is. I think you just started to answer the question that I was about to ask, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask the question anyway, which is about self-confidence. You mentioned self-confidence. Uh, in my mind, I've said this before, I think that's one half of the two halves that are the most important thing for all of us to have in life. One half being self-confidence, the other being social connectedness, because those two together basically drive our successes or failures in life. You know, if we're getting more of what we want, it's because we have both of those things lined up. So on the topic of building up self-confidence, what do you recommend to your clients? How do you, you know, somebody comes to you and you've, you've identified some of the things you talked about, but they realize that their own self-confidence isn't all that great. So how do you help them to make it greater? Yeah. And confidence is such a interesting topic because I feel like the social norm or like the, um, not social norm. I'm, I'm at a loss for the right word, but it's like the, what, what maybe most people would tell you is like, fake it until you make it, you know, just mm. fake it until you make it. Mm. And it's like, that's sure uh, an approach, but what the confidence that I'm talking about is like confidence from the depth of your soul that regardless of what happens around you, it's unshakable, you know, like you could face you know, the greatest rejection and you could still stand there fully confident within yourself. And that comes from a deep belief and an inner knowing of who you are. You know, I really feel like you can't have confidence that's not shakable if you don't feel so connected within yourself to say, you know, I don't care what happens or, you know, what someone says, I know me. And and to answer the question of how do you build that, it's around no longer abandoning and betraying yourself. For so many of us, we give our power away. We, you know, like I said, rather than trusting our own feelings, our own intuition, our own inner guidance system, we give our power away and we, you know, going back to the, the father example, it's like if, if our dad, you want to he wanted you to be a minister, I wanted me to vet. If we listen to that, we're giving our power away and we're letting go of our own, we're letting go of the possibility of building this relationship of trust with ourselves. We have to know ourselves and become and learn to trust ourselves and cultivate that relationship with ourselves so that we can build that confidence that comes that's birthed from the inside out. It doesn't happen overnight. It comes from time and time again saying, I'm choosing me. I'm choosing, um, you know, listening to myself, listening to my gut, listening to my instinct, my intuition and, um, choosing that over the external. And so it's like, I wish I had a secret sauce magic answer of how do you cultivate the relationship with you? That's really the, the, that's the journey that I coach people through. I think step one, something really simple people can do is to ask themselves, you know, what do I like? What do I really like? What I really, what don't, what don't I like? Um, what really lights me up inside? And some people might look in the mirror and be like, I don't know. I've been so disconnected from myself. I don't even know what excites me anymore. And so it's like, well, you got to start somewhere. So go back to when you were a kid. What did you enjoy, enjoy doing? Um, so it's just this like slow, non-exciting build, right? <laughs> like talk about the journey of learning to not abandon yourself and not, and not betray yourself and not when you have you and you trust you. That confidence is like, it doesn't matter. The word, the world could be, you know, blowing up in front of you and you're like, it doesn't matter because you have you. I mean, that's like profound, unshakable confidence is, is what I've witnessed and what I've experienced. I love that. I really love Me that. Me too. I mean, do, you, do you think there's some shame around confidence? Cause I know I've, I've spoken yeah. with people years ago when I first started, um, in the role that I do. And people were like, oh, well, you wouldn't go around saying how amazing you are and how, but then I was thinking, well, why wouldn't you? And it was almost like 
if you're confident, you're being big headed. If you're singing your own song and praising yourself, you're just full of yourself. People just try and put it down, but actually it should be celebrated that people can be like that. Yeah, there's a fine balance between confidence and um, what's the other word that I'm looking for? Like arrogance. arrogant. Yeah. Mm. Confident and arrogant. But, you know, everyone in our life is just a mirror to us. So if someone is turned off by your confidence and that's an invitation for them to own their own power, that's showing to you that they're projecting onto you that they're not standing in their own power. And it's an invitation for them to own their power. You know, something that was uncomfortable for me in the beginning when I started coaching also was speaking about what I do, you know, like again, yeah talking about the work that I do and the services that I offer. It's like, am I going to be boasting? Am I going to be bragging? It's like, well, I had to humble myself to realize um, I can't coach if I don't have clients. So, you know, you have to be <laughs> confident in what you're offering and what you're bringing into the world and what you're birthing. And what helped me get really good at that, honestly, was listening to other people that were just owning their work and owning the power of what they do. And, and, you know, if someone's turned off by your confidence, it's like, you know, excuse my French, but fuck it. Who cares? Like that's their <laughs> issue. That's their, their stuff to deal with. Um, and it's just their invitation for themselves to, to, to step into their power more fully. As you and that's what I loved that. about your website as well. Your website just screams confidence and it was just beautiful words oh, everywhere. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, as you were saying that, it, it occurred to me that what we tend to do is get worried about that arrogance. And I kind of discovered a way to not come across as being arrogant quite a number of years ago without realizing I had discovered something. I just kind of started doing it and did it all my life. And then I found out nobody else was doing it. And I said, why not? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> but what I what I would do is instead of of blowing my own horn by saying, well, I'm good at this, or I'm great at that, or I do this, or I'm just this wonderful thing. I learned to talk in terms of what I like and what I enjoy. Because if you if you express it that way, nobody ever takes offense to that. Nobody ever says, oh, you're so full of yourself because you like something. But it's the same idea. It's the, it's just it's just phrased differently. Yeah, and um, I'm trying to think of the phrase because you're kind of touching on it there. It's um, don't tell me you know, show me. You know, yeah. like how would you show them um you know i even like with my youtube video it's a rather than just starting off like today i'm going to talk to you about it's like i started getting in the habit of um showing them like how the one video i did was on um how to stop how to let go of the guilt and put yourself first and rather than saying that's what i'm going to talk to you about today it was like how amazing would it feel if you know you could do what you wanted to do, regardless of what people said, you know, you felt so present aligned to the action that you took. Like, I really, I don't know, showing them. Um, and, you know, so testimonials is even a good way uh, yeah. in, in my line of work of showing that. But like, yeah, but there comes a place where if you're owning what you're doing and you're owning why you're here, you have to talk about it. And on the flip side of that, it was like, well, if I don't talk about it, there's all these people that are going to be suffering in their shit that don't need to be suffering in it. So it's like <laughs> not only a disservice to me, it's a disservice to them um, that I realize it's like, I have something that I can help them. Why wouldn't I be screaming from the rooftops about it? You know, unless they love suffering. <laughs> Some people do. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. You're not going to satisfy everybody, but certainly there are going to be people who are interested, which leads to the ultimate question here to wrap up a wonderful episode. First of all, we have to say we love this conversation we've had with you today, and we want to thank you for thank you. all this time that you've spent to, to share your ideas and your story and you know your, your adventures that you're going through. Um, but you got to let people know how to find you. Otherwise, they aren't going to be able to find you. So we'll, we'll include a link in the show notes, but how do they find you, Aaron? Yes. And before I share that, just, I wanted to say that the feelings are mutual. Thank you both for having me. I love this conversation. I love having conversations like this. Um, and so the best way to find me is I'm basically right now all across social. My website is Aaron Bogdan, B-O-G-D-A-N.com, but I'm on Instagram as it's Aaron Bogdan. Facebook is just Aaron Bogdan. LinkedIn is the same thing, Aaron Bogdan. Um, if anything that I spoke about resonated with you, I'd absolutely love for you to share. Drop an email to me. Drop a message through social. Let me know. I love 
hearing about anything that's resonated with you in your heart. And if you feel a deeper calling in your heart to learn more about me or to be connected to me or about my work, you can um, sign up to book a free chat with me through my Calendly link that's across all my social platforms too. And we would do a badass activation chat. I have a free um, YouTube channel I talked about. I'm there as well now and a free Facebook community. So um, I just love being of service. I love shining my light to inspire others to shine theirs. And I'm just really passionate to be not always in the past using my voice, but now using my voice to you know, let people know they don't have to settle. Their time is now. They don't have to settle. They deserve to be happy. And the only decision that's going to move you into that happiness is you choosing that you're worth it and you are worth it. So, yes. You, you've you. also proven that you are excellent at putting phrases together. The badass activation session. What a cool <laughs> phrase. <laughs> I love that. That is wonderful. Well, Amory, I, I, I think uh, we've had another winning episode here, don't you? I'd say that was so much fun. Thank you, Erin. Thank yeah, you. Really thank you both fun. so much. Thank you for joining us. And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere because, hey, we love you guys so much. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>